I love the generative moment during a really deep talk when the world falls away and you forget time and place. A really engaging conversation can do this. I've always had listening as my superhero power. I think listening helps build a great conversation. Real listening is done with an open curiosity and very little of your own agenda. It may sound easy, but it can be really hard to do. I like to make connections between ideas and people. Why do we connect with other human beings? I think it's part of the hierarchy of needs. Comfort, connection, community. I don't like the question, what do you do? I don't equate what you do with who you are. We all have multiple interests, passions, hobbies, families, backstories, and futurescapes that make us who we are. Every interaction changes us, some in big and some in small ways. I hope this podcast changes you. Inside of a drop of water. You are everything. You're a complete biosphere of microorganisms and life force. You are understanding and movement. You are lost and found. Like the mysterious sock that emerges from the dryer without its mate. There is light and dark. There is aging, then death. It's all the same. We are here and they are there. We encapsulate all these tiny moments on a long continuum. There are beautiful and elegant loops in your life. There are beautiful and elegant loops in your life. Like light and water, you bend and refract into yourself. Your beauty creates this beauty. Your pain creates this pain. The waves carry you forward. Your life is all connectedness and all knowing. You are a precious drop of water for a thirsty soul. is a yoga and fitness instructor with a special passion for mental health. She offers private and group instruction for clients looking for an integrated approach to their wellness goals. Her teaching comes from the three tenets. You are whole. Mm -hmm. You are unique. Mm -hmm. You are a safe place. And you can follow her on social media where she shares insights about her life's journey, her experience as an individual with ADHD, and her attempts to do all of the above with a sense of humor. <laughs> what a beautiful synopsis right there. Thank you. Felicia <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Ryan. My guest today, who is now, you are my first guest that I think. Yes. So, which is exciting. Rachel Lento, how are you? Yeah. I am so excited. You, first of all, you made me realize my first dream to be a host on a podcast when I was first on here. And uh, my second dream, which is to be a returning guest. This is my thinking chair. I was telling Felicia earlier, I'm, I'm sitting on a, an individual swing that is hung from my ceiling that has become like my staple piece of my little teaching area here. Or at least I think so. Absolutely. Everybody, like, 
Do you have, did you have like fun swinging experiences, not like in any kind of sexual way, fun swinging experiences <laughs> from childhood? Like, and is that what the swing kind of represents for you? Or is it that motion that's lulling? Um, it's the motion that's lulling. I've always loved swings and hammocks. I think my Nana had a hammock and I vividly remember that. So I know you you are a a yoga teacher and a fantastic teacher at that. I took yin and uh, like body kind of blended classes that had weights and Pilates and other things. And you have been my uh, go-to as a Zoom teacher. So you were my first you, I think you're the only person, actually, I've taken Zoom classes with uh, one-on-one, which has been amazing. You have a great Instagram account, and I know you do some writing as well, and you and I have had some amazing conversations. So what else do you tell people about yourself? Um, yeah, I, I'm a yoga and uh, fitness instructor. Um, I, I would say that my approach to teaching is definitely for people who are interested not just to for one specific thing to like lose weight or to um yes achieve a specific goal but I really approach yoga from a sense of being a whole person so yes you have your specific goal in mind but my work is to help you understand that um, there's a lot of other things involved um, besides just, you know, regular exercise or movement. Um, And I am a very big uh, proponent of mental health and mindfulness. So um, while I I try to look at the whole piece, um, I am, I do tend to emphasize mental health and mindfulness a little, a little more than just because that's my personal passion. Yeah, that's where I feel like that's my wheelhouse. I think the way that um, I've experienced else? you as a teacher, you come, <laughs> you come to teaching with a lot of empathy, which I appreciate. And you also come with what I would say is like a, like, because I work in that field, like a coach mentality. So you come with like a, a sense of how to empower not just like I can do this pose and I can do it really well and really beautifully, but I'm going to help my student or whoever I'm working with find the way that they can access what they need to in this pose because yoga is not just about being Instagram perfect. It's about being able to access what the pose or position is trying to Uh, ease in you or access for you or muscle groups for you or stretch for you or whatever whatever that is I I've appreciated you as that kind of a teacher exactly well thank you I appreciate that and yeah I guess that's the whole point um I think I've been guilty of instructing people and kind of unintentionally making it about yourself where it's not about you it's about um the individual practitioner and you know one of the things that's interesting in teaching in the um, post-apocalypse time is I think people are really they have no other choice but to be in their own practice um like uh, when you come into a yoga studio it's so easy to come in and hide um or, you know, go to the back of the room and it's, or go to the front of the room and kind of, you know, put on like a little show. Those are the two genres of people. And even if 
neither of those are your intention. Like it's, it's very hard to not look at someone else's practice and compare. And um, I see, they may not express it, but I see people more and more like getting it. Like for instance, um, I teach a restorative class and the first time I was one-on-one with someone, uh, well not one-on-one, but the first time I taught the restorative class, people had their lights on. Um, it, it just looked like uh, this crazy chaotic environment. And I made some suggestions like, hey guys, dim the lights, put on some, bring some candles. And it was funny the next few weeks, like everyone had fully adopted, like, yes, I'm going to create this little spot experience for myself. So little things like that, where I think um, people are able to experience their yoga practice um, as their own. So, I mean, that's, that's one benefit. And um, I, I really like that. I think what you're talking about (laughs) is this idea of, again, you helping folks access what they need to in that moment. And it's, we're used to um, going to the place and having it done for us. And it's harder sometimes to create it for ourselves. But like what you're talking about, having our own practice or being in our own practice, (laughs) that's supposedly what we're doing, whether we're going to a class or we're doing it at home. But I guess perhaps because we're at home now, we are confronted with really having to examine what that means and, um, and how we show up and how we carve out our environment for that, how we carve out space for ourselves to do these things. Um, Cause I think it's challenging when everybody's home, you're trying to fold it into the rest of your day. And like, like you've experienced with me when you and I meet, like <laughs> the dog is running through and the car alarms are going off and yes, he's putting dishes away in the kitchen and, I still want to do yoga. I can't make my world stop because of it, but you know, it's sort of like, um, yeah. Is it Jack Cornfield that talks about um, trying to remain, uh, you know, being a Buddhist monk off in the hills is great and that's easy to access uh, Zen moment but can you access your zen moment when you're sitting in traffic and people are mad and your air condition is broken and it's broken and it's hot outside and your legs are sweating and you know how do you yes test your zen arguably moment? when it counts yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yes uh yeah uh i think and for me too in my own personal practice it, it's really been time to um, really put into action well what that exactly what that means like I I wasn't knocking studio spaces earlier I think they'll always have a special place like yes spend some time on the mountain in the quiet away like go to a retreat or go to the studio and experience it without the noise I think that's important but then the whole purpose of that I don't think it's to stay on the, the metaphorical mountaintop it's to come back and um, all right here's how I'm gonna live it out. I think it also speaks to something that you're very good at, at as well as a teacher, like you sort of a, gent- a gently guiding. Um, and you're also, it's not, I tell you what to do. I mean, there is some of that leading 
but there's also mm -hmm. like you're constantly looking for information from me as as the student like how is that how are you experiencing that are you having pain where are you feeling that <clears throat> you know do you have trouble getting into that position you know how you could modify it so you're making the experience feel empowering versus, oh my, you know, like getting in my own head about, oh my God, my leg won't bend a certain way. And so, you know, I'm failing or I'm not doing it right or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've had to get even better at nonverbal cues because our new medium now is, is Zoom. So it's been, do you mind if I use your, you as an example of like. Absolutely. How yes, that's, absolutely. So, um, there's a lot of challenges now because it was much easier on a one-on-one -on -one level or if you're in a classroom level to see these kind of like little things like someone fidgeting. Um, but what's interesting is now like you'll pick up on like when I've noticed that you've like settled into something, there's like little to no movement. Like you're there, Arnie, your cute dog can be walking around and it's, and it's fine. But if there's some sort of discomfort agitation, it could be anywhere. Like you'll, uh, you just start popping up <laughs> like in one way or another. And I'm like, okay, we got to have some feedback time. And it's been, um, it, it, I, I appreciate it because it's worked for me too. Like being in my home and not one-on-one -on -one with you or with people in a studio, I have to constantly like redirect. And um, I, I, people's faces um, and your face in particular, I, I've, I think I've gotten a lot better at reading feedback from faces because uh, mm -hmm. that's what we stare at all day now. Um, so I'll even, I can see yeah. in your face if like you're off thinking about something um, or if like you're smiling and, um, and also talking too. I've noticed this when I do live classes. It's so funny that you can tell if I'm, if I put myself in a position that's really intense because I stop talking and I start looking at the timer. <laughs> Whereas if I'm okay, yes. I'm talking more, like, this is an example of yin where you hold the post postures longer. I'm yapping, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's just really funny that, you know, you're, I'm learning more and um, yeah. And I, I, I love it. I, it's an important relationship that um, I appreciate having with you, like, you know, kind of being able to go alongside you. And that's what I've always wanted to do in teaching. And I am. Um, I, I, I value the benefit of the group experience like because you're right like some days you maybe don't have it as much to give and you you can hide a little bit in the class or maybe you're really feeling yourself and you want to be up front whatever it is <laughs> yeah uh, but when you're one-on-one -on -one, there's like no hiding but yes. I love also that it's challenging me to be like I'm not having I have I don't have it in the tank today and mm -hmm. be able to communicate that and own it a little bit or be like I really don't want to do this today but let's try it and see how it goes and having you be open to okay or or having you be like you know why is it that you don't feel like pushing yourself today and then that like yeah. that's an that's a that's a lot of information and exchange that you don't necessarily get in the group setting so I appreciate that oh thank you I, I yeah um it's I'm so glad that you're someone that is verbal enough to like say that because it's challenged me to like ask more questions and other, you know, other one-on-one -on -one teaching scenarios, which I've found myself in lately because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And what's, do you find it, did you find it more challenging to 
sign on to a Zoom class or to get yourself to a class, do you think? Oh, totally. Because I have some self to a class. Yeah, I think me too. But my new hurdle when I'm practicing is the staying in the class. <laughs> like, I like the idea that I could leave at any time. So I, my, I try not to. I want to be that little black box in the Zoom group classes so I can just be like, boop, and, and hide. <laughs> I, what I miss most about, like, my practice is I feel like I'm challenged by the group. Like, like you can't leave. you got to stay here. So that's part of my, like, motivation to stay because um, I'm the – there might be some folks who don't are not as familiar with some yoga terms. So what what is yin and what is restorative? I know they're different types of yoga, but what like how would you describe them? I think broadly restorative um, is a practice that seeks to disengage muscles. So that involves like lots of comfy things, getting all the blankets, all the pillows, and it's it, it's kind of like a very extended nice nap time. Um, so that's restorative. I think the, the term restorative can be confusing because um, I, I think more emphasis on the rest versus restorative kind of sounds in my mind like um, we're going to do these po poses to restore us. It's more of a settling back and relaxing. Yin is, it's the opposite of yang practice, which is active, flowing, redirecting your mind um, in that kind of meditation sense. So it, it's, my instructor described it as whatever describes a yin practice, you have to look at it in the context of what is yang. Um, but I'll try to make it a little simple. So I, I guess the simplest answer would be yin's um, goal is to, I hate to use the word stretch, um, but st stretch or activate or press into your deep interconnective tissue. So not your muscles, but the tissue that connects your muscles together, which is called fascia. Um, and that's one component. Um, and another component is kind of experiencing the opposite um, side of meditation, which isn't redirecting your thought. It's more coming into this space. And a lot of the yin postures are uncomfortable because you're putting pressure on, that's kind of the word I was looking for, interconnected tissue, and it can be discomforting. And then practicing learning to sit with um, what is uncomfortable um, and more of a state of allowing versus keep drawing your attention to your breath. Um, yep. Give me feedback. Is that, is that an interesting, good yeah, way to explain I mean, <laughs> I call, I very sim simplistically, I always call, because uh, if I said I'm doing yin, like my, my partner, Adam, would be like, I don't know what that is. So I always say, today we're doing the deep stretch yoga. And he was like, oh, yes. Oh, okay. Um, and <laughs> And in my mind, I find yin very grounding. Mm -hmm. it, it was, uh, I've been doing it for a while though, like maybe a couple of years now. And it's really, it's still really challenging for me because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm recovering from a back surgery. I've had um, pain for a long time. Um, I'm still learning to trust what my body can do. Yeah. So I, I find you know, it, I find it very, very centering and grounding, but it's still very challenging, but I'm used to, to know what to expect that it would be mm -hmm. challenging, but it's challenging in a way that I feel ready to be challenged in. So I'm like happy to sign up for it because 
basically I could start out at the, in the beginning of the class and being like zooming around in my own head about thoughts and stuff. And by the end, I sort of feel like my head is a little empty. Um, mm-hmm. But I also feel like um, I did something like my body feels a little creaky, a little sore, but I know that it's not like a weight. I used weights or muscles sore. It's more like I got into some nooks and crannies or places that were tight or, you know, had a knot in them or needed a little stretching and kind of work things out. And it's, it's, I don't know that that's the type of practice I would ever do by myself. I feel better. I feel, I feel like I can access it better if someone's leading me through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my personal preference. So. Oh, yeah. I, I think, do you mean you wouldn't practice it on your own or you don't know that you would gravitate to the deep stretchy class? Oh, no, I think I would definitely gravitate to the deep stretchy class. I don't think I would ever do it by myself. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I don't do a lot of yin by myself either. I think it's something that is so helpful to be guided into. Um, even like meditations recently, like I'm, I'm all about like guided meditations because sometimes you just need that help or like need that. Yeah. Need that access. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, if you, I, I think there's no need to have like a full hour practice on your own. I think when people say like, Oh, your home practice, like that's not for everybody. Not everyone's going to wake up at six o'clock in the morning and do their like, <laughs> I certainly don't. They're like, you know, sun salutations. And I don't know if I was supposed to admit that. I'll have to edit that one out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> so whatever, like there's a beautiful model on Instagram doing some sort of flowy pose or whatever. That is how I envision myself on uh, doing my home yoga practice. I'm always like, you know, and like my hair doesn't <laughs> Or like, you know, like. the most recent one that I just looked at I swear to god within like the last hour was some leggy whatever model she did a backflip out of her um, uh, sports car and then in heels of course and then oh my gosh and then um and then walked away oh grabbed her purse and walked away and then celeste barber was trying to get out of their car window and so she was like crawling out of the car window and then like and then (laughs) she kind of like she ran away in heels kind of like benny hill used to you know benny hill would run away oh oh my gosh i need to look this woman up because i i know what you're envisioning i know i've seen things before oh she's so funny um, yeah, but I think that that sort of humor points out the fact that that the original poster, that woman, she's naturally very athletic and um, is. that's not something you're, I don't even want to call it average. Very few people can do stuff like that. I was scrolling on Facebook um, the other day and there was someone advertising and it was this very lovely, flexible um white woman like upside down on a wall and like she literally like was inverted into her herself which is cool that's great but the advertisement was for like this is how you can access and join this two it wasn't two weeks it was a little longer than two weeks I'll give this girl credit um it was like a like one month to get to there and 
I was at my brother-in-law's house and I went on a tirade that no one else followed um, with because they're, they're not yoga people. And I was like, come on, this is so not fair. Like I got angry. I was like, you can't, you can't, ex- first of all, some bodies will never access that. Good for you that you can, but I, I don't like the culture in yoga that kind of implies that if you practice enough, it's almost like it, it's your own fault if you can't get to a place that um, is being modeled to you. And that's, that's not true. Like if you were to, if you were to follow me on Instagram and you see the poses that I model, they, I model them because I'm able to access them. I'm not going to do one. I mean, I, maybe I should um, just do more that I'm just terrible at. That, yeah, that's that a challenge. Interesting. <laughs> challenge yourself to yeah. do one that you find you have trouble accessing, but then show how you modify it. Yeah. The funny thing is that I'm so used to um, modifying. I may, may be doing it. And um, I meant more like you're never going to see me doing a headstand because honestly, like I'm, I don't like them. I have a very hard time accessing them. But yeah, I'll take that. Stay tuned for how to, you know, we still, I think even subconsciously, subconsciously I do, you're our ideal beauty standard, I, which has nothing to do with yoga, is the you know, European thin white model. And it's so fascinating to be challenged on just a very deep level. Um, but that's something that I, oh man, all the fast lessons I'm learning, um, like even in a day, like that was something that came up for me. Like, oh, it's not that there aren't any. It's just that I haven't looked. I think part of it is we're not shown it. Um, but also it's very interesting. Like it, there's the part of you that like, well, should I have thought about? Yeah, I should have thought it out. But also I think one of the bigger points behind like, you know, this movement on a, a larger scale is, yeah, we also are a little bit responsible to seek that out too. So Elizabeth Warren had just posted that she's part of a campaign called Share the Mic. So she mm-hmm. was partnered with a, a person of color. Uh, I want to say it was an, it w- could have been another politician. It may have been an activist of some type. And that woman took over her Instagram account for the day or for a certain period of time. So that then Elizabeth Warren's platform was used and shared by someone else who Mm. may have just as many interesting ideas and things to say, but didn't necessarily have access to a platform like that. Yeah. The campaign is called Share the Mic. And uh, I love that idea of partnering and using, you know, each other's platform to educate, to expound, to... Um, yeah, because different voices in our landscape and different ideas in our landscape and different types of people in our landscape only broaden our own perspectives from like a yes. very selfish point of view. It only, it only enriches us. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean, maybe it's a selfish point of view, but I also think that's, um, I think that's something that you come to recognize when you do finally step outside of your comfort zone and um, actively practice. And I think that's, it's something that you realize is a a beautiful thing. Like um, I earlier, like last year decided, like I wanted to find a group of people that I, I 
knew were different than me, who would have different voices and just kind of practice being in community with them. And I, I did happen to find a group like that. I think the, what you were talking about, the benefits of like realizing that it, it was helping me become a better person that came along after at first kind of felt like, it kind of felt like homework. Um, and I think that might be part of it, but I think it's, it's worth it. So I think it's, it's challenging, but what's nice and refreshing is that on the other end, when you stretch those muscles, so to speak, of listening to other voices, expanding your horizons, like you find that it, it is good. And I think that's um, a positive thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there should be, it shouldn't feel terrible all the time. Like if something is causing you genuine suffering, then there's something to look at there. Um, you know, pain, pain is a sign that says stop, let's stop. There's something to address here. So I think that experience that you were talking about of like realizing, oh, this is also enriching my life um, is, is good. Um, it's almost going back to that yin idea of like, because um, I would say that you're very naturally a yin person. You are very comfortable in emotional, physical um, discomfort. Like you're very with that sort of thing. And um, maybe that helps you be in groups where you're welcome. I, I think that um, that's a po that's like a strong suit. So you're able to be in groups of other people and realize being challenged isn't a, um, isn't a totally negative thing. Stretching isn't negative. Sitting in the discomfort isn't negative. Um, yeah, that's something I need to practice more because I, I, I like discomfort to a point, but at the same time, I don't love, I'm, I lean actually more towards like the, uh, action, um, act first, talk, act first, think later. And um, I don't know if that's my ADHD or my personality or some amalgam of, of both. Amalgamum. <laughs> I think I just made up a word. But uh, yeah, so it's learning, practicing that other side has been interesting too. I'm, I'm very much a sit with things in process before I act, but that can also lead to uh, like a par paralytic kind of reaction. Mm -hmm so that I can sit with things for two, like the first time I ever bought a car, I did five years worth of research and thought about it for too long. Like, oh, you know, five wow. years to buy a car, that, that's crazy. Like I read books on how to negotiate car dealerships and <laughs> best types oh, of cars wow. to buy and thought about it and saved for it and researched banks and interest loans. Like, it was too much. It was, it was ridiculous. And it was the, the research and the reading was a way of putting off having to make a decision and having to do yeah. the car buying, you know, and it didn't have to be a torturously long process that I was making it. And, but that was part yeah. of like my psychology at the time. And that, you know, my natural tendency may be to research and think and do, but that doesn't mean that that's, and that may also be like my comfort level, but that doesn't mean that it should take five years to buy a car, you know? Yeah. So ah. it, it was, it's been a learning process for me that I can use that tendency and it can come, it can go into the other extreme of being, um, it's like, uh, it's like having perfectionism, like yeah. a lot of perfectionistic tendencies can also keep you from doing the thing that you're supposed to do. So like sometimes mm -hmm. when it shows up in a worker, the worker can be um, 
considered obstinate because they never produce the thing that their boss is asking for, but it's their perfectionism showing up because they don't want to release something that they don't feel is perfect, but then they spend too much time doing the thing. So yes. <laughs> if you never produce the product because you're marinating in it too much or it won't release it until you think it's perfect, then you're not actually producing anything. You're, you're sitting on it and it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's too much. So mm -hmm. being action oriented is, is not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's, it's finding a balance. No, I, you kind of, exactly. Finding a balance. And you kind of touched upon something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that um, our qualities aren't, aren't fixed good or bad. Um, yeah. And I started thinking about it when I started thinking about like my brain and um, I was thinking about, uh, I was sitting down to like write something and I was like, you know, I, I thought about like, someone wrote that like um, ADHD is like a, it makes you a superhero. And yeah, sometimes that's true. But if you're not taking care of yourself and taking off certain boxes and actively like taking care of you can quickly turn from superhero to super villain and i think that is the case of any personality trait like someone who's you know someone who thinks about things um like you said sometimes yeah absolutely it can be used as a way to not address a situation or be paralyzing or being excused to not share your voice but at the same time um that quality can be very useful and that's why I need someone like yourself in my life <laughs> to like you know remind me to practice that more act first think later can have its benefits but then I find myself constantly walking back things that I'm like oh oops like oh my gosh if you follow me on Instagram you will see several times I'll like post something in a hurry with like just the most atrocious miss spellings and I'm like oh my gosh and I don't realize it till later <laughs> um but at the same time like sometimes like that's my that's also when I'm at my best is when I'm like yes I'm, I'm in the moment with you I'm these are my best ideas so yeah one of the things that um to bring it back to the race issue um I'm reading um Ibram Kendi how to be an anti-racist he um this I love this quote do you mind if I read it sure because it all ties in together uh, he says, the good news is that racist and anti-racist, so he's talking about anti-racist being the opposite of racist ideas, is that they are not fixed identities. We can be racist one minute and an anti-racist the next. What we say about race, what we do about race in each moment determines what, not who we are. And I remember that being one of the first quotes that was like, oh, I love to think about it like that. Or the idea that we we aren't any one fixed thing. And I that's something that you know we teach in yoga just to bring yourself into balance versus like I don't know identities can be really um they can be helpful to categorize and help us understand things but identities can also be uh, very limiting um and it's important to kind of you know hold to who we are yeah absolutely but realize that it's flexible and right. yeah and you're not one thing, like if you were, no. like, I hate the elevator speech or I hate the question about like, what do you do? Because what do you do is not who you are. It's an mm -hmm. aspect of it, but it's not who you are. Yes. 
I yeah, and I think a lot of us have to face that, especially now as like COVID has changed literally a lot of people's identities. Um, and like I see a lot of like yoga studios just closing, and it's, it's so sad. And I'm not saying that that person is having identity crisis, but I I mean I've I've had a lot of conversations with people who now have to find new careers and you know or at least a new representation of that so I think that whole idea is kind of being dismantled in in a way so which I don't think is a bad thing I think redefining yourself learning that you're not what you do um is freeing at the end of the day um it may not seem that way but it, it is or at least for me it has been So that's one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is um, the idea of, you know, who you are versus what you do. And um, I think that that could be applied to the police and Mm -hmm. the police have an identity in that that's who they are. Okay. So if that's who you are and you have bad actors among you and you stand by and allow that, or you help perpetrate that, then is that who you are or is that what you do? Mm -hmm. And because you want your police identity to be, to be who you are, not just your job, then your actions are the same. So is that who you are or is that what you do? Yeah. It's a really interesting thing because nobody's born a police officer. They choose to be a police officer and there should be, um, there should be some consequence to that and there should be some i don't know some thought some more thought provoking things around that i think i had a you know a friend in my sphere who wrote a piece about how he was trying to he's trying to question the acab which is all mm-hmm. cops are bastards Mm-hmm. And um, I think I probably would have originally, maybe a couple of weeks ago, even said, oh, well, all whenever you make a statement, all something or whatever, that that in and of itself is not true. Because mm-hmm. nothing is monolithic. Yes. Um, but it's a slogan and it's meant to be challenging. Yes. And I think what we're seeing now is it's being proven true and has been for a while and if it if it wants to be proven otherwise we should see things we should see actions that prove that otherwise right and I, I think it's important what I see like in in people's reactions like because I have a lot of friends who um either have cops who are relatives or people in the army And I think that this is something that even I've had to be um, challenged with is people aren't protesting you as an individual, whether or not you are a good person. um, It's, it's kind of irrelevant. It's, it's more like exactly what you said. Cop is not your identity. It's kind of, it's an, it's almost an entity. It's a job. So that in itself lends itself to be, you know, um, problematic to uh under understate it so it's but that has nothing to do with your uncle billy i'm sure your uncle billy is a great guy so you don't have to share and again this is like me feeling showing an example of my initial reaction like well 
I'm a white girl. I'm not a, like, I'm not like that. And it, your first reaction is to kind yeah. of be, um, I'm not Karen. Defensive. I'm not Karen. Karen. I'm yeah. Not Karen. Yeah. Where, yes, I it's absolutely true. I, I have I've the potential to be Karen. Yes. Potential. Maybe there have been moments. So I, I think that was something that I wish I could tell everyone. Like there, there, no one is protesting you in my example, Billy, as an individual, like no one's like, you know what I mean? And I think that's, we need to, you know, take us take a little bit of a step back, and um, the the it's not about you thing but, is kind so of so Billy mantra. might be a great um, Billy's great we you know yeah we and Billy time. may be a great guy <laughs> but is Billy a great cop like exactly and is the job is he a great cop a cop is that even possible for for Billy and maybe I I don't I don't know but I right. think my greater point is I I think like if I thought about like if yesterday it was proven that in the yoga industry the idea of gurus has kind of been dismantled and it it's something that it's a power issue and I think anyone in a particular position of power unchecked it you're, it lends itself to abuse so it, it's yes absolutely it's about the individual but I think the, the greater problem is like with the okay but yeah. we need to rethink how we do you know structures and um yeah, so that's what I would say to the the not all cops. Well, you know, everyone's also a little bit of a bastard in one way. <laughs> of course, and, and it's it's this idea that like um, us as white Americans who have a a sense of privilege can look around and and say, oh well, I've never had any bad experiences with the police, right. so of course there are no bad experiences out there. Could it be perhaps you've been? Could it be? Mm-hmm. No, that and can't be. That in itself is the reason why you haven't had any bad experiences. Wouldn't that lend itself to say that perhaps there's some bastardly behavior going on? Um, I don't think so, Felicia, but we'll have to table that and think about it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier that like, well, there were no women philosophers, or there are no um, right, right. black female yoga teachers. So I looked around there my are. desk. I just looked I at the around. top of my desk, and I couldn't find that I thing. I couldn't find so anything. thing doesn't exist. So it's not so it's like I say, Like I say to the 14-year-old, like, she'll be like, where are the scissors? And I was like, did you look in your desk? And she's like, no. And I'm like, no. well, they must not exist if they're not there, like, ready to jump out and get you, like... <laughs> actually put a sign on her door that said Felicia where are my shoes and then you lift up the flap and it says have you looked in the closet <laughs> that's funny I love that but so um kind of on that same thought but a little bit different I I nanny part-time and a little side hustle and it's amazing watching like Daniel Tiger and Clifford and the the lessons on being more accepting or even like emotional regulation. I'm like, wow, it's so funny how I as an adult am eavesdropping like, oh, wow, that's really good advice. Like it's stuff that like we should have learned as children. And we do learn as children that it's so funny how it comes back to that. Like even the concept of like a baby, there's a, a stage of development as an infant where you learn that if something disappears, that doesn't mean it's gone forever. You know what I mean? Like, so like how are we still like not knowing that just because you can't see it it's not there 
Or like I just made that connection now. Like, I used to have rabbits and the reason, one of the reasons that uh, rabbits are prey animals is because they have, uh, so like predators have front facing eyes, prey has side facing eyes. So they can't yeah. see in front of them and that's why they're prey, but they also can't see in front of them. So they think that you're not there. So sad. what rabbits do is they freeze <laughs> and they hunch down and they think I can't see you. So you can't see me. Oh, dumb that's dumb. They get eaten. <laughs> that's, so sad. that's very sad. And I, but uh, that's that idea, like, oh, it's not there. Down. It's not my purview. So it doesn't <laughs> exist. But that, that's also that idea that, like, we know we have blind spots, and they're not a blind – they're not called that because you can see them. Right. <laughs> they're blind spots yes. because you can't see them. But it just means that you change your perspective. You tilt your head. You look up. You look down. Perhaps you turn around in a circle. Perhaps someone points something out to you, and you have to think about it a mm -hmm. little bit. Yeah, you know, or you meet someone who's different, or you, you know, encounter something you find challenging, or whatever it is. It's like, you know, no change comes from being comfortable all the time. No, no, and um, maybe that's why it's hard for white white men to change because they've always had it good. Yeah, I mean, the system is. Uh, set up for them and I, I wonder if that's why I find more I know like <laughs> white women are being trashed on a lot right now and like yes absolutely we're problematic but I also see a lot more white women trying like those are the voices that are like sharing like the, the platform like you mentioned Elizabeth Warren and I wonder if part of that is because we're kind of used we in our own way we've experienced what it's like even the like the me too movement being like no you have to listen like stop stop mansplaining and i've seen a couple of posts recently where it's been framed in that way like as a way to not empathize but kind of understand um how to step back and i feel like oh like yes and i wonder if we get that because of that being our experience so that maybe we can empathize a little more yeah, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a big question. But yeah, that's, that's what I was literally just thinking about that today. I mean, I've been thinking about all of this today. I think all the time. I was I was laughing because it's like this, this new world of like constantly learning and um, kind of feeling like you've changed your mind so much is so the way my brain works. So I, I'm in a way I feel really comfortable right now. <laughs> right now like this is, this is fine that's your superpower this is my Seriously, superpower that's your superpower yeah. and that's, yeah. that's also your brain being able to go back and forth through new tracks like some people mm -hmm. don't have that practice so it's probably literally uncomfortable for them in a way that they've not experienced yeah. before and I know for me like you and I have talked about this physically but it's also probably an emotional thing as well like the difference between um, good pain and bad pain or yes. discomfort, good discomfort and bad discomfort and sort of sometimes when you've had um, an increase in pain from an injury or something, you don't want to try and go back to that. But to rehab to a, a different degree, you have to experience some discomfort and yes. it's hard to find that line sometimes and that's... Mm -hmm. And that's trust and that's growth and it's 
it's there's fear involved and there's Mm -hmm. it's uncharted territory because it's not like it's not like you can be like well this feels right or this doesn't feel right it's not as easy as that sometimes Mm -hmm. it's being able to play with a little bit I guess yeah play with but also if you're like going back to the the physical therapy analogy is you're not really alone in that like there are voices to guide you. There are teachers around. Um, you just got to do the little bit of extra work to help you with the, I mean, yes, there is a lot of personal work that you have to do as a person to realize, okay, what's my tolerable level? What isn't? But I think it also, that's why there are good teachers that you need to surround yourself with. That's why you need to surround yourself. Like you said earlier, like the blind spots, because that can be helpful input to you when you are trying to make those decisions about, okay, like what is reasonable um, because growth does involve discomfort sometimes even pain but what is an unnecessary pain like um as I'm trying to challenge myself in you know trying to get better educated on uh, issues of race and how to be um an anti-racist in this world and like try to be that as much as I can with my voice I realized I was paying attention to a lot of like not useful voices like I love Instagram. I love Facebook, but I don't know that that's the place to go get your information. I, I've found I get a lot less stressful from some of my like trusted sources and like go read the books directly. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Because people will post these like sentence memes, and I've been guilty of it myself. That are just they're kind of like snarky, and it's like, well, if you don't do this, you're blah blah blah, and that's just like a big red or yellow panel that's like screaming at you and I've had to catch myself being like okay well first of all this one thought you you can't just throw a sentence at me and be like yes you're absolutely like what am I going to do with that I'm very much the type of person where I don't like being told something and then not given a background of why so um, for me a way to deal with the discomfort of growth in you know my my worldview has been to, okay, go to places and sources that are speaking with loving compassion. Loving compassion, I think, is the most valuable voice to me right now, because I'll listen to that voice. There are certain voices where I'm like, eh. Right. You know, so, uh, <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not swayed by snarky memes. Is <laughs> That's good. That means that you have a, a, a high threshold for the or your low threshold for the bullshit detector. So oh, that's, thank you. I want that. Nice um, thing. One of the things I was going to say, too, that I've been loving hearing and seeing and, and recognizing for myself is that no, no race, ethnicity, identity is a monolith. Mm-hmm. And we get to see and experience a range of reaction, a range of information, and then sort out for ourselves, you know, what, where we can find our inroad to or what we can connect to. And, yeah. um, you know, I have friends on Facebook and Instagram and stuff of people of color who I hear their anger. I see mm-hmm. their anger. I, I'm learning from their anger. But then yeah. I have other friends who... Are approaching it with more love and kindness and but that's their their reaction to it mm-hmm. there everybody is layers we all yeah. have layers we all get to have a range 
the one person of color who's a friend who has an angry reaction, she doesn't speak for everyone else. She speaks for mm -hmm. herself. She may also represent, you know, tapping into something that her community is feeling and she yeah. has the language and words and expression and creativity to, to service that, but that's not, she's not, she's not a monolith and she doesn't right. have to bear the burden of representing her whole community because her exactly. community is very diverse. Just like my yeah. community is very diverse. Like I can't represent all women. Like no. crazy. I, yeah. I, one thing I wanted to clarify, I, what I meant, I didn't respond. I, I think it was part of learning was the anger. That's not necessarily what I meant. I meant more of like the educational piece like, um, so yeah, like I, I actually, I, I like for the people who try to say like, oh, you shouldn't violently protest. Well, no, like I, I think that that's a way to express an unheard anger. Um, so that, I guess that's not necessarily just to clarify. That's not what I meant. Um, I meant no, more I like, meant. I yeah, I think, but, I, see, tell me if I'm wrong, but what I was hearing you say is that you know, the snarky, Mimi, you need to do X, Y, Z is not, isn't, you're not responding to that. That's not a way of learning, but legitimate anger and people who express that, like legitimate anger yeah. in the way of like, it's not a snarky meme, like they're owning whatever that anger is. Yeah. Like that yeah. is understandable. And even if it's not understandable, it's still theirs to express. Like, I don't have to understand or agree with their anger for it to be legitimate in the same yeah. way they wouldn't have to understand or, or, or support mine, right, but I exactly. can hear them. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that's like another big lesson that like I've, I'm learning in Ibram's uh, book where he talks a lot about like the kind of tricky part about like the anti-racism is the idea that everyone is an individual and he talks a lot about how white people are allowed to have individualism while yep. uh, a black person or a person of color in a lot of different cultures have to represent the whole group and that's absolutely not the case for them either like everyone is a, a, a range so um is he the one that was there is his is his quote the one that i've been seeing on instagram that has to do with when a person of color um dies or commit a crime we learn about all the things that they did wrong in their life but when a person when a white person rapes someone we learn about all the things that they could have been in their life that kind of sounds like his voice I, that might be from a different book but yeah he talks a lot about that kind of framing um because i feel like when a when a black person commits a crime it's like reinforcing the idea that they are a violent and yada 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 all the racist like ideas whereas the other way around it's like what it's more or even like freaking brock turner like it was all about like what a good person he was and like well this will ruin his life and blah 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 blah, blah. and, and it's, miller's book i finished it <sighs> it's oh so yeah so amazing and it, it really is she's like so much a part of what gets taken away from victims is them to be able to have a whole story it's mm -hmm. just about what they've forgotten or what they did or what they didn't do or how much they drank or what they wore or mm -hmm. what their relationship with their boyfriend was where 
it's all about the potential of like, she was like so much about the trial was about his potential and you know, mm -hmm. how he could be this and he could be that. And she's like, I, I forget how it came up, but she looked at his actual resume. Mm -hmm. So he was a college student. He, he hadn't gone to the Olympics. It was it's his resume, his actual accomplishments were right. not what, what the, his potential was. Like it was like store clerk or intern or whatever. It's like, no, like, no, like they didn't talk about what she could have done or what, what she had been doing that hadn't been taken away from her. Um, and, and her impact statement was just like, uh, she, she blew me away in so many regards. I follow yeah. her on Instagram now. She does. Yeah. Um, she's a cartoonist. And she's just amazing. I just love, I love, love her voice. I love her writing. I love how she wanders through her story. I loved everything about that book. I, I read that. I, that's a book I will read again. Yeah, that's on my, I remember when you mentioned to me, that's on my to, to read list. I've, man, it's stacking up these days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to read books, but it's good. Um, yeah, how have I. You been dealing with isolation how have you been dealing with oh. the, the shutdown in COVID well um I was one that uh, kind of got to rediscover my inner introvert um in that I think before this I I needed a break in so many ways from all the noise of the world so for a few weeks there I was like living like finally like I couldn't look at the noise it wasn't there and that was just so weirdly wonderful to me um and I, I benefited from it so much I feel like I I yeah I, re I remember like before like I'm like I need a vacation I need a vacation I need a vacation and this was like it's not the ideal vacation like it's terrible and I don't mean to like diminish like you know how terrible it, it was but um the isolation piece I was one of those people like for like okay this is nice but um, but anyways, to close out that thought, I, I then started to experience the opposite where I'm like, okay, now I'm too closed in. I haven't been exposing myself to other people. And it kind of then on the other side, reinforced the idea that, oh man, like I need other voices um, that aren't me, that aren't my family, who all have similar voices to myself. Like, um, so yeah, like I remember at first it was kind of uncomfortable to, um, I didn't really want to make Zoom calls. I don't, I didn't want to, you know, make an effort to see other people. I was like, no, this is I'm in my little hovel. But, and that was fine. I think it was good for a time. But then when I started to- Your hovel with a swing? Yeah, my little bubble, my swing. Um, and when I started to reach out again to friends, actually from this very swing, I have a lot of conversations from the swing. Um, it really helped me see like, oh yeah, I need- other people and other feedback too like I'm not meant to be no one is meant to be alone on an island and I stand by that statement I really enjoyed um I mean I'm I'm a very true introvert I <clears throat> early on had opportunities to zoom and I I enjoyed it um, I went to a Zoom open mic where I had to read and I got the cold sweats the way that I would have just if I was going to do it in person. So mm. to me that tr that tr triggered or kind of signaled for me that I'm a true introvert like I uh, any kind of interaction even a virtual one 
I feel the pressure of what I would normally feel if I was in person. So um, I was pretty good the first two, three months. And then it wasn't like I didn't have opportunities to talk to people or see people. It's like virtually. And that kind of felt enough. Um, We have a fire, an outdoor fireplace and we actually had folks come over and that was really nice. And then we've interacted with our neighbors upstairs where they've come to the fire pit as well. And um, I've really enjoyed that, but I also didn't feel like I didn't, I hadn't feel like I was missing out on anything. Um, Yeah. So I did. So I must be like a cusper because I was like, Oh, I missed this. Like, I didn't know. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I appreciated yeah. it. But when it was over, I was like, okay, that was good. That was, <laughs> that was good. Time to go now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I have had experiences when I've been out in public where I've, I've been totally overwhelmed and I'm not necessarily prone to anxiety, but I have had like anxiety inducing, like mm. people are not following the rules. Oh my God. They're, they're going up the down arrow aisle. They're not wearing um, a mask and <clears throat> they're touching things. So that, <laughs> that, and, or like, I actually had the experience where I, I was hyperventilating under my mask and then my glasses were fogging up. Oh no. And I've had like two subsequent nightmares about not being able to see and breathe. And so I think I'm, so, I'm not laughing at you. That's, oh, I feel it bad. was definitely like a mask induced like uh, yes anxiety <laughs> that's a that's a very modern um anxiety dream that you had there absolutely so. absolutely <laughs> or like um yeah people are just and it's funny because it's dependent on store so like you mm-hmm. go to Trader Joe's and they have their shit down and they're like it's awesome and it's fun and they're lovely and they're like hello we're glad to see you even though you're wearing yeah. a anybody want water and um and then you go to stop and shop or you know whatever and it's, basket and it's chaos yeah it's it is it's a shit show or i, I mean yeah. i made the mistake of going to home depot and i almost lost my mind like people were oh. like it was really bad or lowe's they don't require you to wear a mask i was like oh oh yeah i um yeah i went to oh it doesn't bother me as much because again I'm that person that's like don't tell me not to walk up and down aisle I'll go down an aisle if I want to there's nobody here so I mean without being incourteous to someone else but it's really funny even like among individuals to watch like some people like back away from you and that's my signal to back away from the person but some I like I will never be the person that will walk like in a grocery store like walk straight up behind you but it's funny how you'll see other people and you're like okay like yeah no common courtesy I, yeah, I, I didn't go out that much, but I remember when I did, it wasn't necessarily the people not following the rules. It was just more of like the energy in the room, like about like specifically shopping. Like I, like I, at one, the first time I went to like a market basket, everyone was pretty, pretty good about following the the rules and stuff, but there was just something about, and this was like early on, there was so much anxiety in the air and I think I could feel it. And I just constantly felt the whole trip. I like I was having a hard time concentrating on what I needed for groceries and I kept on like (laughs) doing circles and it felt when I was standing in line I had like this like like because I know anxiety it's almost like you you feel like you're outside of your body and you have to be like okay come back 
come back, come back. And the whole time, actually I was listening to podcasts just because it was my only like kind of drowning out the emotional noise for me. But I feel like it's been less so. Um, I don't know. It's strange. But so um, much, I feel like there's so much going on. Like, you know, <clears throat> I joined the ranks of the unemployed and um welcome <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but <clears throat> you know again everybody's situation is personal and like i'm thankful i have resources i have a good place to live i have a partner who still has a job we were able to get me on his health care like i have so many more benefits than other people do in the same situation i still am worried about money i still <clears throat> you know want to figure out my next steps i still was like shocked and saddened and angered by my dismissal, even though it wasn't performance-based. And they told me how yeah. much they loved me as they were showing me out the door. But <clears throat> it's still a weird experience. It's still a little bloaty or ego. It's still like, well, I was fantastic. Like, why couldn't you have found another position for me within your company? Like, why didn't you want to hold on to me? Like, yeah. <laughs> or like the idea that like, you know, I was churning out all this product for them up until the last second, like, like it, there's something like so gross about that. It's like, so icky. Yeah. Um, but again, like I'm part of millions that are in that same boat and, and I'm so far ahead and so thankful for so much that I have going for me that a lot of other folks don't like. I have an advanced degree, like I have actually paid for by the company that let me go, you know, career counseling if I wanted. I have friends and family and whatever that I could rely on. And so I have some time to figure things out. Like I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, there's so much going on in the world that I'm thinking about like, you know, where do I want my voice to land? What do I want creatively to be doing these days? And have you been doing some writing? Um, yes. And um, I, do, I thought I would have something that I would like to share, but I, I don't yet. Um, okay. I still in that, like, which is valuable for me. I'm still in a kind of sitting and educating myself mode, but I, I think it, it going forward I think it's I'm, I'm looking to be more inclusive on the my end like my personal end but as far as like my um my business or like how I will represent myself on social media um I think my changes in my my are going to be a little bit more minute and it's going to be more of like how I talk about things and you know specifically like language um and, you know, being more mindful of how I speak and, and what I share. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so funny. Like, I, I, there's stuff that I would like to do through writing. But, um, and I will definitely start to include that more. Like, um, vlogs and pieces. I think I, I, this month I've kind of committed to, like, when I do a post, like, hey, write about, you know, something outside of yourself. So that's something I want to do. Um, and then, yeah, it, getting educated, working on language, but that's that's hard because it's so funny. Like, I'm learning so much every day about how to, you know, be a better communicator, like having my ideas challenged that um, 
you know, even now as I'm talking to you, I'm like, okay, like, just really think about what you say, which I don't think is bad. Um, I think I'm in the, the beginning stages, like, you know, the uncomfortable when you're practicing something new, which is not, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't necessarily have a, a solid answer beyond I'm learning. I have a kind of idea of where I want to go, but um, not quite sure yet because I definitely do want a better world. And, and I know that part of how I express myself is through writing and through like little blogs and, you know, and I want my, my business to reflect the change that I want to see in the world, but I'm still kind of figuring out like, well, right. Well, what does that look like? How do I do that? Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. But <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I think every, like every topic to me that we've touched upon has a lot of the same like central ideas. And, um, uh, yeah, what do, you, no, what do you think those are? If you were going to summarize? Oh, don't make me do that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I thought it was right there. I thought yeah, you could access it. It was right there. Yeah, yeah, I said yeah, that. Um, it's, I think, get to know the individual. Um, you shouldn't have one person or one synopsis reflect an entire thing of who you are. Yep. Um, you are more than a one moment in time. You are more than, um, you are not a fixed identity at any moment. You have the adaptability to change. Am I hitting all the points? Let me know if I'm missing one. That's beautiful. I, I said that would be the summary. Yeah, and I think that's that's my goal is help is redirecting the the you are whole means to me your mind, body, spirit inseparably. You are not just your mind. You are not just your body. You're, there's all of those things into play. Um, your unique is y- you are made up of um, your own genetics. Um, upraisings so all of those things are important when you think about you know your health and then you're safe I I really I feel it is so important if I I can give one gift to anyone in the world is learning how to have feel a safe place in their bodies and um, unfortunately that's not something that everyone has a gift in so uh, learning how to find safety in your own vessel that you were given that's perfect it's it comes out so naturally i'm glad that you were able to encapsulate it that way that's that's lovely that's very encouraging to hear i appreciate it do you have anything in in um in summary that you would like to say or in in you know in summary um no in summary uh, i think how we grow as individuals is exactly what you and i are doing right now and if i would so like to see more of that that's conversations, difficult ones, stumbling over your words, disagreeing, like that's how we grow as individuals and get to know each other as individuals and broaden our horizons. So um, that's why I love like the format of your podcast and that's what I want my work to reflect. So yeah, yeah. that's my summary. Well, thank you Talk for being, thank you for being an explorer with me and thank you. Thank for you. A co- creator i appreciate that and um i look forward to more zoom yin with you Zoom time thank you <laughs> it's always a treat i thank you so much i feel so honored for real to, um, that you would have me and like um talk these ideas through with me well first of all you're easy. so much fun and you're willing to really <laughs> like dive into things and like you said try it out and stumble a little bit and not quite get the right word and um 
but you're you're so at home in that stumbling that I appreciate that. And I think that oh, is you. very, as a student and also as a friend, it's very empowering to be oh, around. Thank you. Because <laughs> who wants to be perfect? Who wants to be around someone who's too well, perfect? Well, I want to be perfect. Oh, okay. Not we can throw perfect. them on the fire pit and burn them. Come on. Light them on fire. <laughs> Thank you so much for playing podcast with You're me. You're welcome. Yes. You have a good rest of your day. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Rachel. it. Yay. You too. lessons. Pain is a great teacher. What kind of bullshit is that? It's truth inserted into a shit bomb. Physical agony gnaws at me from within while I retreat and coil away. If I turn my attention to other things, I can pretend to ignore it. But I'm just Ripley easing into my spacesuit my mind's line of sight is narrowing. Nerve endings scream at me, but I cover my ears. I claim ignorance. We don't speak the same language. I shrug my shoulders and spread my palms wide. I shrug my shoulders and spread my palms wide. I shrug my shoulders and spread my palms wide. Hi Felicia is produced by Felicia Ryan and she retains all broadcast rights and copyrights to this program. Theme music provided by Stephanie Griffin. Sound editing and technical support by Heather McCormick. Hi Felicia is supported in part by a generous grant from the Malden Cultural Council and recorded in cooperation with UMA Urban Media Arts in downtown Malden. You can find Hi Felicia on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and most platforms that podcasts are found. Please take the time to like, write a review, and share this program. You are our ears. Thanks for listening. To find out more about Hi Felicia or how to support this podcast or to suggest future guests, please go to www.feliciaryan.com. That's www.f-e-l-i-c-i-a-r-y-a-n.com. And again, thanks for listening. Ten with Yin. It's a podcast created by my friend Yin Kiefer, and she is uplifting women's health one conversation at a time. You should check it out on Spotify.